Gaming on the Frontier. And this is Trav. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier. We're, we're basically going uh, to go back in time and talk about uh, two things. One is we're talking about what was the order of things that happened with the Tamelor and Meller War in the, in the Tritech game Fringeworthy. But we're also talking about have these worlds recovered? Should, what should you expect when you go out onto the fringe paths and find them? Because as a result of this Meller to Meller war, the entire Commonwealth, as it was known, collapsed. And let's have. face it also, these are the Mellor. When they went bad, you know the first thing that they were going to take out was the scientists to make sure that the people that were left over couldn't rebuild the tech. Oh, sure. Couldn't maintain the tech. That's how the Melor were. They played the long game on a lot of them. The logic bomb, heck, that was a Hail Mary move. It sure was. That was the the effort. This is our last best effort. Yeah. Yeah. And But see, okay, so let's say that happens. Okay, yes, that's going to basically cause huge amounts of damage to the local ecology, but that also means that those people are not heading for the coast, which means that the coast isn't being buried with quite as many people trying, you know, needing resources once they get there. Yeah. So the overall effect is that more people will probably survive, but the long-term effect on the ecology they just did means it's going to slow the recovery because then they're going to have to now repair the damage that they've done. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like they're just leaving the inside of their of their continents pristine for them to come back to later on, okay? They, they these things are, you know, people have gone native, they're going to probably end up having to fight the territorial issues and things like that. So, uh now if they're higher level tech and they manage to keep their higher level tech somewhat, they may be able to do a few things like they might be able to mine oil uh, and take that and use it as a substrate to grow yeast uh, like they did um, uh, and produce food like it was on the Nebuchadnezzar in the Matrix. Oh, the runny snot, yeah. Yes, <laughs> but it was food. It was yeah. all the essential amino acids. And there's a number of other stories that use the same idea, the whole Poole anderson Heechee saga. You know, the world got so overpopulated that people couldn't afford to actually grow food in the old way. And so they were literally taking shale, cooking the oil out of it, putting it in a huge vats and growing yeast on it, taking that and turning them into basically soy and green. And, okay. and that's how people lived. They were That's how they got their food because there wasn't enough food in the ocean. There wasn't enough food on the land to support all these people. And so that... And this, and they're kind of in the same way. If they can do this, and and they actually can, because again, it all depends on how this world came into the Commonwealth. If they were like, say, I don't know, uh, pre-industrialized, where they didn't have our modern age of oil yeah. we have in this world, where you know 
all that oil might still be under the ground. And if they have had any kind of sharing with other worlds who did go through that, they may know where those resources are, saying, okay, well, over the next 10,000 millennia, we'll slowly tap those reservoirs for our plastic development, anything that we want to do locally that doesn't, you know, that we don't want to get from the big system, you know, or it makes takes too long to get it from the big system, so we'll make it locally whatever the limitations are if they know where the where it is and, they, and it's like someplace relatively close to the top you know and they can get harvest it easily and if they know how to make like say foodstuffs like this or just use this as a means of jump-starting a technological age for them as you know go into that oil age of oil because they're they can't maintain their nuclear reactors and their antimatter zero uh, zero point modules yeah. and stuff. They have to fall back to something. Oil works really well as a as a means of of and coal as a means of supplying a civilization. Yeah. So that you know, if they have that, if they have that knowledge, and they and they have know how to use it, uh, then they'll be able to recover a lot faster than people who basically are just going to fall down to where they become fisher folk. Yeah. No, when you, you brought up the whole thing with the Matrix and beforehand about how the natives of the planet just, they, they get into an area and they just eat everything, you know, all the, and I'm reminded of, you know, Agent Smith, humanity is a virus. They take over everything and they strip an area, then they move on and just, then you put the Matrix reference there and that was immediately with that whole <laughs> Just yeah, I was just like, wait a minute, this sounds very familiar. Oh yeah, um, yeah, with the the conditional Commonwealth worlds falling back to pre-industrial, pre-metal level. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna end up because they had everything handed to them. As I said, it's all gonna be trial and error again. They're gonna have to if they have that tech and it's like, oh, this was in a museum of how we were before you know the Commonwealth came to us. They're gonna be blowing the dust. It's gonna be like that one story you tell about the. The automated, automated, uh, the automated tank. Yes. Yeah, Ebola. it's going to be like uh-huh. that, where it's an artifact of a past era, technology of a past era, and they're going to have to revive it because they're going to need it to survive. And again, all of this is going to be trial and error. If they've gone that far advanced in their technology, they're going to have to find old historical texts. They're going to have to find old technical manuals. And some of this stuff may be in languages, the language may be dead. Which means they're going to have to... So, yeah, this is going to take trial and error and a long time learning how to learn. Right. Because, again, they were too busy having everything handed to them by the big system. Or their skills were so, you know, were so elevated that they they, they don't know, have the knowledge to be able to do things at a lower level. Yeah, and So they're literally they having to throw away everything that they know in order to survive, learn the skills they need to survive. Yeah. And who's going to pass on those higher level skills to the next generation? Well, yeah, at this point, I mean, you may even have some of these cultures realizing, and we've seen this in games like Cloisters, where technology is what did us in. Look what technology has done to us. We had godlike power because of technology, and in the end, that technology nearly destroyed us. They'll want to go back to the old ways just because they... Anything above a certain, let's say they do anything above, anything that generates electricity and above, they, we don't deal with that anymore. They may only go to steam power because they know we can do this, we can handle this, you know. And certain, and, and, and the and the bio, and the genome becomes sacred because 
this is people messing around with with bioengineering is what got us in this situation. Right. If we're so gonna make if we're gonna make life, we're gonna do it the old fashioned way. I mean, we may try to breed better with eugenics. That's about it. Selective yeah. breathing, but we're not going to sit there and do the test tube stuff anymore. We're done with that. Right. That's that's what got us into this. Mess. Yes. They may put they, these new societies may enforce a certain tech level cap. Yeah. Just out of okay, we know what happened. All right. And so so let's take a moment and let's talk about governments. Yeah. When 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 it everything is going literally to hell. Oh, yeah. Who do you turn to? Well, usually when societies collapse, it ends up, and we see this in all sorts of post-apocalyptic pop culture. Usually it's might makes right. The guy with the biggest gun is often the one who's running things, or the most charismatic, or the one who at the time gets the job done. Oh, this is the guy that's getting us our food? Fine. I'm hanging with him because I know I ain't going to starve if I help this guy out. Right. Or the woman who has the essential skills, you know, that gets, like, knows how to, literally knows how to birth babies. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, she okay. might be a healer. Fine. We hang with her. But, right. yeah, it, it's going to be... She's a farmer. Yeah. You know, Ooh, she, had yeah. A, she had a garden. She, yeah. knows how to, she knows how to grow food. We, you know, we're going to hang with her. You it, know, it's so. pretty much going to be, who is the person who's going to get me what I need to survive? Right. I will do whatever it takes, and certainly, remember, in some of these cultures, they've debased anything it takes to make sure that this person keeps me alive. If I have to kill somebody else to do it, I'll do it. But as long as this person gives me what I need, if they have the tech, or they've got the skills, or they can get the food, or they can protect me, I will do whatever it takes to be loyal to this person so I can get food every day. So I see this as the return of the monarchy. Yeah, yeah, after a while, because that person... I think pretty much immediately, because you're going to be looking for the one that one person who's going to save your bacon. Well, and yeah, and in the end, that person and their progeny, whoever you know they teach, let's say if it's a skill, whoever they teach that skill to, they're going to be elevated to a higher status. Remember, back in like ancient Egypt, the only people that knew how to read were the royalty and the um, priests. Pretty much most pre-industrial societies... 99% of them were illiterate. The the people who were elevated to higher status were the ones that had, you know, had them book learning skills, you know. Yeah. But yeah, they're the the monarchy, remember a lot of monarchies were divine right. The gods granted me That came the, later. Yeah. yeah. But the gods granted me the ability to rule over all of you and I'm better than you because of that. Well, yeah, over time, you know, after a thousand years and I brought this up earlier, I think a lot of these post-Mellor War Commonwealth worlds, as they regressed, a lot of stuff about the Commonwealth became like myths. Oh, the gods that came through the portals and the big portals that disappeared. and The I demons. Yeah, the demons came through, but I also remember the gods would push a button and they had anything they wanted and that was their downfall because... And of course, you know, stories get distorted over millennia. Yeah. They didn't so, have to work for anything, so the ultimate god punished them for it. Yeah, you know, so you're going to go to different old Commonwealth worlds, and just depending on how facts get changed in the legend, you're going to hear five or six different... As you're a, an idet going from these, these different worlds and realize that, wait a minute, there was a whole interdimensional society that spanned multiple nodes... And, of course, they're not going to realize early on, maybe not until the late middle campaign, holy crap, there was a million, million worlds and, like, millions of worlds were destroyed in this massive war. And they're going to be hearing, you know, nine, 
or, or what, what's the old saying that I say for like things like coleslaw and how to make certain things? You ask 12 people, you're going to get 14 different replies on right. what happened with the Commonwealth or what happened on a particular world. It right. just Cause, because... Because you only know your little piece of it. Right, exactly. And so... Someone who lives in the Arctic is going to have a different survival experience than someone who lives in the in the tropics. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that just because of climate and what they have to work with. Yeah, and I'm not even saying that the people who live in the Arctic are going to have it harder. They could actually, in some ways, they're going to have it easier because cold weather tends to keep disease down. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. People down in in the uh, in, in the in the hot areas, all of a sudden they got cholera. They got all kinds of things going Barry, on. Berry, berry, and all that. Well, nobody knows. It, nobody knows how to, to dispose of waste anymore. Well, yeah, that's another thing. Yeah, you, well, that that was the thing with the Norlanders. They had that virus that above a certain latitude, because it was cold. That's why all the northern latitudes were they they survived because that that whatever disease ravaged that world couldn't yeah. get past that certain latitude. That certain temperature level right. and then when those norlanders came back down they saw whole civilizations just left behind and they took them over because it's like okay apparently there were people here that died of something and somehow we were spared it and then they're yeah. going to realize because we were up in the cold and that that happened also in ethiopia uh where they had what was referred to as the mosquito line there was uh a, okay you know, it's, it's a mountainous area and uh as you went up in altitude the um uh at a certain point, the mosquitoes couldn't survive past that. It got too cold at night and such. Yeah. And so the mosquitoes stayed at a certain level. So all the diseases associated with that, like yellow fever and malaria and stuff like that. So if you lived above that, and that's one reason why they had a flourishing culture was because those people lived beyond, above the mosquito line. Oh, okay. Well, with uh, I'm not saying global warming, but I mean, but all the other things that happened over the last couple centuries, that area has gotten warmer, and as a result, is is that the mosquito line has moved up into the populated areas. Yeah, and now they, you know the, all of a sudden they, well, they just basically it destroyed their civilization. Yeah, 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 and uh, that's. Uh, and that's a, a real life thing that happened. Uh, so it could easily happen the same way in another world. And but, but my my point was is that the people who are trying to survive in the Arctic are going to have a whole different story than the people who are in, in the uh, uh, you know down in the Ring of Fire. Yeah. So you know it's so yeah you're going to have all kinds of conflicting mythologies going on because of that. All right. So uh, so we have uh, uh, so probably you know civil liberties. And even possibly the right to reproduce is going to be curtailed severely until some level of stability is achieved. Because if these people are, in fact, naturally immortal, they don't need to have kids. Yeah. Maybe their bodies want to have kids. And so you don't need more, you don't need more, more, uh, Mouth to, to feed, right, and you know you're still trying to recover. So all of a sudden, you may have a a, a not only a monarchy but a totalitarian monarchy trying because people aren't going to under they may or may not be able to understand that no, you know another a, a beautiful baby that that your that our culture has loved and cherished, you know because we only get one of them a century, <laughs> because people you know literally delay decades before they have kids, you know. We, we you know we we can't love them like that anymore. Yeah. Because 
you know, and... Um, well, also, yeah, just because you no longer suffer from age and disease, which if, if, if they're immortal, I'm sure the Termellon are going to make it where it's you, you no longer age or you age imperceptibly slowly, but they're also right. going to say, we don't want the flu killing you. So usually when we include immortality, it's immune to age and disease. But right. the biological drives are still there. You still need to eat, drink, <clears throat> fornicate. I was about to say the other word, and that would have cost me some editing work later. But those primal urges are still going to be there. It's just biology. It's human biology. It's how we are. In the end, we're animals with just a very thin veneer of civilization. Yeah, and and, and, and literally, there's nothing wrong with any of this. Right. Okay. It's just, it's just, it just doesn't necessarily work well when you're in a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the, and the civil liberties also, that's going to be, they're going to curtail a lot of this stuff because, I mean, yeah, some of the stuff would be luxuries, but also it's like, we can't do A, B, and C as much as you want to, whatever those things are. Yeah. We have to curtail them because we have to stick to doing things that are immediately, what's the word I'm looking for here? Immediately essential for our survival. Right, but even if it's, they say, okay, look, it's going to take us 10 years to stabilize our food supplies and our power supplies and everything else with our current population. Okay, right now we got people who are sleep, literally sleeping in warehouses on cots. They don't have homes. You know, uh, they're getting sick. You know, we don't we we don't want to have any children for ten years. Okay, you know, you're you're all immortal. You know, you don't have to have kids. And you know, and so they may enforce this. Okay, I, they I, may. I ended up doing this actually in the in my Bureau 13 game. If you were and I'll try to condense the backstory here, Bruce. If you remember Bureau 13 Black Powder, the gnomes that were under the Sierra Nevadas that helped fund the bureau for a century. Uh -huh. In my Saturday game, which remember my old Friday game was just the past of it. I had the gnomes after the massacre of '77. They were cut off from the bureau to protect them. Well, unfortunately, the gnomes' mortal enemies are kobolds, and the kobolds decided, oh, you don't have the humans to protect you anymore, so we're going to attack you. And basically the Gnomish Enclave that Rich put in black powder, I had it under siege for 40 years. And one of the things that I had, and the Saturday gamers know about this because it was in when they met the gnomes again, it was along the lines of, okay, yeah, we have anti-geriatric treatments now. Gnomes are living longer. But also we're in the middle of a war forced, not forced to, re well, they, they made themselves sterile, but they could do so due to um like diet. You know, like they did in the Riverworld series. They just put contraceptive, uh, yeah, they put contraceptives in, in, the in the food and drank. That way then they weren't producing anymore. But right. yeah, that was the same thing. And I had the gnomes regressing in technology where their medical sciences were now relegated to meatball surgery like in MASH. Just uh -huh. to patch the, the, the gnomes up and get them back out fighting in their uh, technomagic uh, APUs like in the Matrix fighting against the cobalt hordes. But yeah, it'd be the same thing where, yeah, we can't have babies because babies take too much to take care of. It's another mouth to feed, and it takes years before they can pick up a gun. Until then, they're totally defenseless. It's just another problem that we don't need right now. And I added, and, and once I saw this, it reminded me of what I put in the campaign there for that. But yeah, having kids, Bruce and I will tell you, having kids, it is a drain on resources. Both of us are parents. And in a culture, when you're trying to get just back on some type of steady footing, and then you have extra mouths to feed because, you know, you're popping out kids, it's like, no. I mean, most smart 
foresightful governments are just going to say no. Yeah. We, it, we can't not, have it. It's this. not just it's not just the fact that you know you you have to feed them. Okay, someone you, you you need a whole medical force to take care of them. Okay, because they're developing. Yeah, you have to have caretakers for them. You know, I mean, you could possibly have up to, depending on how bad it is, 50% of your population, instead of working to stabilize the culture and to recover, they're spending that raising their kids. Yeah. And if you don't have any kids, you basically have twice as many hands to be put, you know, to to recovery than you would have otherwise. Yeah. So I can really see that. I can see the, the moratorium coming down saying, is it, you know, we don't care, you know, how much loving you have, but no children. And, you know, we're going to enforce this. Uh, you know, what was, are, uh, there was the movie, well, it had a sequel too. Um, Fortress, Christopher Lambert, where you, you had one kid. You had more than one kid and measures were make sure that you didn't have that second kid. So they had like undergrounds of, you know, families who wanted to have more than one kid, and so I think Lambert's character's wife had to go on the run or was killed or something. It's been a long time since I saw the movie. Right. But basically they enforce, no, you have one kid. That's yeah. it. A, lo a closer example would be the edict where they basically said nobody has any kids for the next 20 years. And the, the entire society had to deal with that. And if you had children, they would put you in a bubble and they would pump, you know, poison gas in and kill you all. Or they just leave you in there until you ran out of oxygen. Damn. And that's, and, and well, they had to make an example for the rest of societies. They knew there was no exceptions. Yeah, yeah. So the, uh, um, and the story was about this guy, you know, whose wife was pregnant and they managed to, to keep it keep it hidden and stuff until finally at the end it's discovered and then it's all about can they escape and if they do escape what kind of life are they going to have so i will ruin them it's a good movie i would not uh i would recommend anybody who wants to to check into this kind of thing to check check that movie out um it's an older movie but you i'm sure you can find it it's called the edict and uh it's based upon the novel of the same name Okay. But anyways, uh, so yeah, there's going to be that. Okay. But uh, so like I said, these civil liberties and rights to reproduce will probably be curtailed severely until some level of stability is achieved. Uh, advanced medicine and, re and, and tech is probably going to be is going to be reserved for essential personnel, which of course is going to be the government and industry leaders first, right? Oh yeah, the people in power are going to get all the perks first. Yeah, they they're they, you know, they're privileged, right? Yeah, so. And then, uh, and you're going to have to have an awful lot of people, especially that first generation, trying to transfer as much essential and advanced knowledge to durable forms like paper from electronic media and their own brains. Yeah, because basically they're, they're going to have to rebuild libraries and stuff. Yeah, and they're, and knowing that it may be a hundred years before they can use some of this knowledge. Yeah, but and that means again, some of those hands are not going to be out there, you know, uh, digging the latrines and uh, building the uh, the homes and building the boats to go out and fish and stuff. So it's it's you know how you're, they're going to be saying what's essential. You know, what, do we really care how to make a CD player work? <laughs> you know, it's and uh, you know there it's there's going to be losses of information, big gaps that people are going to have to reinvent later on. Well, yeah, like I said, yeah. Usually, you have um, in societal collapses, like in Star Trek after World War Three. They even say that much of the information from our past was lost during World War Three after you know Colonel Green started the nuclear exchange. Every post-apocalyptic story you hear has some loss of the history just due to 
libraries being destroyed, uh, data files being lost. You know, heck, the Bureau lost information after the massacre of 77, where, like, their sure. uh, supply depots and everything were. Right, and, and, the, and they, they may have artifacts. They may have equipment that, you know, they uh, have that, that works, but how long is it going to work? Because we don't know how to make it. Yeah, so to them, yeah, and, and again, as societies... You know, fact becomes myth, or legend becomes myth. Oh, yes, this device, you know, you could push a button and it would make a meal for you. And it, or you push this button in this box and you were healed instantly of any and all infirmity and it'd be a dock box. And of course, they wouldn't remember after a thousand years. Let's, an IDET would come to this old Commonwealth world and, oh, it is the healing artifact. And they, they're like, that's a Commonwealth dock box. We saw one on the last one we were on. What? You mean there are more of these? Yeah, there was one in every home. We happened to find, you know, an old Commonwealth world that was, you know, fully functioning, and they just learned to survive on their own and preserve their tech. There's, this there's world a, here a has part a, of, Yeah, there's, there's a there's a thing, uh, there's a twisted piece of metal that's part of this thing. We've never figured out what it does. Yeah. Oh, that's that's the thing that basically allows <clears throat> you to transfer a mind from one person to another <laughs> or something. Whatever, you know. I'm wondering why the dog kept, you know, you know, kept bugging Mrs. Johnson. That's because Mr. Johnson is now the dog there, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, uh, okay. So if they have um, uh, maps of mineral resources, that will speed recovery. Yeah. Um, and as I mentioned, that ends up, especially if those those maps have resources that are close to the surface. Yeah. Uh, they may, if they have the ability, if they know, have identification of native food stocks and medicines, uh, they're, they're going to have to do that because that's what they have. They don't have any of the exotic materials, you know, uh, you know, and there's no, uh, Rigerian brandy anymore. Yeah. So you're going to have to figure out how to make stuff with the stuff you have. And then some, of uh, some things like medicines may have to be reserved for food animals, so that you can build up those stocks of those food animals to actually supply food to people. Initially, they're may, if you just fall upon them and eat them, they're going to be gone. You're going to, you're going to have to say, no, we, we're not going to, you know, we, we have a herd of a thousand cattle and that's not enough. So we're not going to eat any of those cattle. We're going to just breed them and they're all going to be going, but we're hungry. How could you, you know, and that could end up badly. So yeah. there's there's going to be, you know, it's going to be ugly. Okay? I'm, I'm reminded of all this stuff about uh, them breeding and raising animals and all this, and you need it in order to have food, and it's the running meme about, okay, we have milk. Who's the wise guy who decided that drinking this that came from a cow was a good idea? Hey, and of course, obviously... Well, who's the guy who? Who's the guy who figured out that bad milk could be made into cheese, which was good to eat? Yeah, right. It's still, you're, it's like, or what, what did Bugs Bunny say? Well... They laughed at the guy who made penicillin. You know? <laughs> yeah, but still, exactly. it's like it's like you're sitting there and you're looking. I mean, obviously, you see if you know the cow, the calf is drinking from the cow. You know, like you know, but still, you had to find that one guy who actually had to have gone that step. Just yeah, and they're going to be yeah. doing this stuff too, because again, push a button, everything was there. As these societies collapse and rebuild, they're going to be learning things. It's going to be trial and error, and and we'll just say this. A lot of it won't be pretty. Just right. <laughs> there's always going to be that we, one guy. <laughs> we have a lot of alien species too, possibly on some of these worlds. So yeah, you know, uh, cow milk tastes is good for you, but is pango milk good for you? Is uh, the milk of another intelligent species good for you? Yeah. What if you don't? 
What if you're like the, uh, you know, the, the zeal who come from eggs and they don't nurse? Right. <laughs> Why? And what? now I'm reminded of the scene from uh, Look Who's Talking where John Travolta, <laughs> oh, yeah, this is nice, and he drinks the coffee. That's breast milk, and he spits it out. <laughs> just, <laughs> I think breast milk tastes great. <laughs> well, just that one scene where he just of thought it was to add to his yeah. coffee, and he spews exactly. it all over. Yeah. Right, right, because... Oh. Yeah, that would be the guy that, you know, it's like, yeah, great, this is a wonderful drink. What is it? Well, it's milk from that creature over there. You know, it's like uh, Luke in episode eight where he's getting the green milk from that big thing sitting on the cliff. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, I that was, I had some real, um, what, what is the term? Where it's just, you, it's, you're, you're trying to accept it, but something inside you is going wrong. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was a squick moment, yeah. Squick, squick, yeah, it was, it was definitely squicky, yeah, right. Okay, so in the time we have left, let's talk about, you know, what are some of the impediments to recovery? Yeah. Okay, so one of them is, is that, you know, they live like gods. Everyone did whatever they wanted to. There may not have even been a government on their planet. You know, uh, automate systems care everything, and they had to literally create a society with a hierarchy with people in charge when that never happened before. You know, that, you know, uh, the people who were more primitive probably had it easier in this regard because they had tradition to fall back on. But the people from the really high-level worlds, yeah, they're like, "What do you mean you're in charge of me? Nobody's in charge of me. I, you know, I have ultimate autonomy. That's that's part of my philosophy." And they're like, "Yeah, yeah, in, well, if you yeah eat, in your world of one, guess take, what? You're not in yeah, that anymore. Take yeah. your autonomy over there and start chopping that. Yeah, you know, right. That, yeah. That log. yeah. <laughs> You, they who do not work do not eat. How about that for a philosophy? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, but I mean, that's going to be a problem where people are literally trying to sort out, you know. And you're going to get people saying, "Well, why don't we have a you know representative democracy, or why don't we do this instead of that?" And you know, and and it's again, it's going to be a lot of work. It's going to be a lot of trial and error and a lot of stuff they're going to find out sometimes the hard way won't work. Right. And if, if they're lucky, they're going to have very enlightened people who say, okay, we're going to try this form of government for, for two years. If it doesn't work, you get to vote in another form of government. You know, I mean, just, but other places are going to be like, this is the way it's going to be because that's the way we all survive. So just shut up about these other things that aren't going to work. That's the old world, not the world now. Right. So also <clears throat> money, money doesn't exist. They had everything they wanted. They were you know? from a post-scarcity society, yeah. Right. I mean, they might have had some barter. You know, probably, you know, I do, I create this really cool, you know, uh, artistic thing, and I trade for your really cool artistic thing right. or whatever, or your batch of uh, homegrown mead or something like that, okay? That's not going to work when you're trying to uh, create, uh, you know, large-scale trade between communities i remember I mean, seeing i remember reading in some and i forget and you and bruce knows how many pdfs and books i have and it was something about well yeah barter was great but when you come home from a poker game with five chickens three cows and a goat no at that point you realize you need currency you need <laughs> you need you're not even that sure money. you won yeah. <laughs> did i win yeah i'm not sure because you know, does you know a hundred pounds of potatoes doesn't equal a hundred pounds of wheat? Right. Yeah. And and a hundred pounds of potatoes may not equal one you know a hundred pound goat. Yeah. You know, so how do you come up with any kind of, especially if you have no experience with it? 
How do you come up with any kind of a barter system, a monetary system? And why would anybody go and say, this stuff, this stuff called gold, we're going to use that for a monetary system. Why would they do that? You know, it, uh, that's why, you know, uh, some call, like island cultures, a lot of times they use shells, pretty shells. Yeah. That was their coins. Well, and, remember and, and, when, when the Europeans came south through the Sahara, 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 and they made it to uh, Mali where Timbuktu is. Remember in Europe, gold was, oh my gosh, it's precious and it's wonderful. They get to Timbuktu and the dogs have gold collars and the buildings are gold inlaid and kids are playing with golden toys, and Europeans are like, what in the fresh hell is going on here? It's because to the Timbuktu people, gold had no value. It was only for decoration. Right. So when the Europeans saw that the people from Timbuktu were dripping in gold, of course, white man's imperative. They come in, and, you know, it's like, we're taking it all, you know, just... Right. And, and the sad thing was they thought they had all this more. They, they thought because they saw this gold everywhere, they had tons and tons more. But in fact, is this is all there was because they just used it for decoration. Right. They, they didn't, didn't need a lot more. They weren't using it for trade. No. So it was, it they only had what they had. And, and they literally decimated entire populations trying to force them to deliver up the gold they did not have and didn't even know how to get. Right. Because, you know, it was all stuff they had panned out of a river somewhere. They didn't know where the real mine was. Yeah. So, yeah. So uh, the worst, the saddest ones are where you had the population that basically said, we don't have to do anything. It's all going to be better tomorrow. They're going to figure it out. They're going to, you know, they're going to, the, 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 the Tamellers are going to fix it all. It's going to be fine. Why are you running for the coast? Okay, Just, this is, okay, this is the thing populists wait for Godot who never comes. Yeah, that's I've always wondered about that. I've heard of the of the, the story waiting for Godot, but I never yeah, knew yeah. what it meant. That's what <laughs> Thank it is. You. These two poor guys who are waiting to talk to this guy named Godot, and every day his um you know his his butler or whatever shows up and says, I'm sorry, but he was held up, but he'll be here tomorrow for sure. And then they wait again and he and it keeps happening day after day. Because Godot's never gonna show up. Yeah. And okay. that's and and that's what and these people are going to end up dying. Yeah, probably because, because they still have faith in the Termelern. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. They'll be they'll be back. Yeah. They just left for a little while. You know, they'll patch up with the Commonwealth and everything will be hunky dory again. Mm. Right. And of course, these are the people that probably have the the most you know exotic skills. Yeah. Because you know they they they're not practical at all. They don't never had to be. Okay. The people that basically had their wits about them to go and, and try to to survive are the ones who realize how bad it can be. Yeah. And these people are like they're they're used to living in the lap of luxury and they just can't imagine a world without it, or they don't want to live in a world without it, which can also happen. Yeah. So let's see here. Um uh, it could be that um and they they, they did this in the um uh, in the novel War Day where basically all the bombs fell and people try it were basically trying to build out of it and the book take is written from the standpoint of a of a newsman who's traveling about the u.s uh five years later yeah i have that book matter of fact rich gave me that book it's in my room on my bookshelf i remember reading right. most of it yeah and they uh and they they have this scene where there's all these people that are sitting in this room and there's these people standing up there and they're showing them how to do basic things like this is how you uh, 
you know, pot a plant. This is how you file, do filing. This is how you do error. And there's this one woman going, oh, no, uh, 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 Maria, no, 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 no. Maria was her maid. Maria is now her teacher. Maria is her boss. Ah. She can't handle it. She can't handle the fact that the 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 the, the order has been reversed. They will not. Some people will not are just simply unwilling to go and do things like stick their hands into uh, uh, a well into a cesspool and dig it out. Yeah. Or or uh, all the other things that are, ne- are, are necessary. They're not going to get. The, they literally aren't willing to get their hands dirty. Or what? Or what's they, the what's the meme about? Yeah, I don't know what would happen if society collapsed. How do you hunt for tacos? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, yeah. free range tacos. That's right. That's even yes, yeah, a joke. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so there's going to be people like that, and so you know they have no they have no useful skills, and so they're going to be taught the least useful skills there are, and some of them are not going to be willing to do it, and you're going to be like, if you don't work, you don't eat, and there's going to be people checking out as a result. And uh, so that's going to, and again, you, you, you may be losing essential skills uh, that are not immediately needed, not for 10, 20, 30, 40 years. Yeah. But eventually, but you're going to lose that because those people are going to take their, take their marbles and, and go home to the great sky god. Yep. So, um, of course, no, people are people, corruption of officials, cronyism, you're going to appoint ineffective leaders. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. But it's also the fact is that, you know, you want your friends, you want to help out your friends. And so you may put people in power who are basically ineffectual rather than someone who should be. Yeah. This is one of the things that stopped, that basically caused a, a delay in the recovery of the uh, Roman Empire when it collapsed. Is that they had a whole bunch of leaders that were ineffective afterwards. And only and it, it took literally 200 years or more before they actually got people who could actually do the job, and then suddenly there was a big renaissance. No. It's, it, it happens all the time, you know. I mean, everyone wants to take care of their family, and they want to take care of their family's family. And, uh, and, and people, when they find out that they're doing that, they're going to get them executed. Bad things happen. Okay? Yeah. And of, course, and, of course, they're, you know, they're not, they don't suddenly think the Meller has just disappeared. They're still afraid the Meller is among them. How are they going to deal with that? You know, how are they going to come up with a good um, doppelganger defense, right? How do you prove that the guy stand, the woman standing next to you isn't a Meller, that the guy standing next to you, you know, your father hasn't been replaced? Well, that's they the deal- thing, and we brought this up many ages ago on, on, a, on a podcast where you come to a world, you come through the portal, and part of the thing, once you come through the portal, we give you a cut. You bleed white, you're dead. It's because that means you're a meller. So yeah, this IDEC comes through to this this regressed old Commonwealth world, which is rebuilding, and that's how they, that's their meller defense. Anybody comes through that portal gets a cut. Now remember, the higher form of meller, I think the master and maybe the great, they can yeah. cut and bleed red blood. That's how deep their shape changing goes. Lower forms of Meller, they bleed that white milky liquid. So that's what they would do. They would do just okay. You came from the the sky, the 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 portal of the gods. God's eye. Yeah, the God's that's what eye. What I use in my games. I'm okay. always calling it God's eye. Okay, you came through the God's eye. Fine. Lift up your shirt. 
Well, why you do- Ow! What'd you cut me for? Okay, you're bleeding red. We'll let you live for now. That's what they would most likely do, because that was the one way they knew how to tell a Melor when it was hurt, it bled white. Yeah, unless, of course, they had experience with Melor that could fake that. Yeah, again, case, the I higher level Melors it, would learn yeah. they could fake bleeding red, yeah. Yeah, how many, how many teams got killed, you know, before they were willing to take the chance that you might not be a Melor? Yeah, yeah. You know, so yeah, so that and, and but amongst their own people until they figure that out because they may not know, you know, uh, until they figure that out, uh, there there could be you know wars within themselves. And if the Meller are in fact amongst them, they're gonna you know they're gonna be edging they could be egging that on, or they're just building up the society to destroy it again, just keep yeah. crashing them down again and again and again, you know, just whenever they think that. They, they're, you know, they're, 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 they have it. They can see the end of the tunnel. Suddenly, the roof collapses because, oh, you know, they, uh, they, uh, they, they, a disease is introduced into the society because somebody, a trusted employee, you know, brought in some toxic element and poured it into the water supply. Right. Again, yeah. And so after a while, these societies. I mean, if they were to build a societies, you could just sit there and you know get somebody killed by saying they're a melor, and there would be no trial. It'd be like, nope, we kill you, and then find out afterwards. Oh no, they bled red. Oh well. Yeah. So yeah, that that's a real good way to keep everybody in line. Toe yeah, the line, or we'll tell everybody you're a melor. Yeah. You know, or you know, they know that inside the body somewhere is that little that little that the little core that's actually the meller yeah and so we're gonna have to dissect you to prove that you're human yeah <laughs> that <laughs> that's whole, great that whole cut you open to see how long you scream type thing yeah yeah. Okay, uh, so, so there's that's gonna slow down stuff because people are and and uh, and that's not even including the fact that the uh, there's gonna be because you have alien races, you know there's gonna be balkanizations. People are gonna be saying, well, your race isn't as valuable as our race, you know, for what reason, and therefore, you know, you're gonna enslave these people, or you're you're or they're gonna be fighting each other because. You know, everybody knows. Everybody deep down believes that they're as good as every. They're be, either good or better than everybody else. So you're going to have the people infighting going on. Yeah. And you know, and all those biological tools that that you've been running. You know, they, that you've been treating like slaves. Well, maybe at some point they say, you know, we're not your. You know, we're not your your tools. We're not your slave race. Okay. We were created to help you, but if you're going to treat us like you were second-class citizens, we're not going to help you anymore. We're going to create our own society, and there's going to be revolts. You know, yeah, like that's the, that's pretty bad when the Doc Bock gets up and walks away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so you you've got basically um, you know the Planet of the Apes situation where you know all the apes that you know were considered to be you know loyal, trustworthy servants suddenly get uppity and they just. You know, and, and and then all those functions that they were doing now, humans or whatever race it is, are going to have to do do it instead. And they don't have those, you know, they don't have those specialized appendages. Yeah. That you know, so they you know, and they're maybe grabbing these people and forcing them into servitude and and uh, all kinds of terrible things happening. That's that's going to get in the way. Uh, you know, there some people are coming here from other worlds bringing plagues yeah. from other worlds because, you know, do they have the filter then? They might, but, you know, maybe uh, they're, they can... Uh, oh, yeah, you know, the, the disease filter, yeah. Right, 
but they but in this world maybe there's a disease that actually badly affects them and once it's in them it mutates and now it can affect everybody and so there's diseases jumping around that never would have happened before and also the lack of sanitation may bring back just standard diseases that now we don't have the medical supplies yeah. to basically come back we don't have enough antibiotics for a million people right. we don't even you know, we have no idea how to make that much maybe in 10 years we'll be able to but for right now i'm sorry but your family if one of you guys gets the sniffles you you know we put a we put a a board across your front door and a firing squad standing outside and anybody who tries to leave is shot yeah you know so that's going to happen you know but there's you know there are a few things that work in their favor Okay, and so, you know, with the, the unappreciated benefits. Okay, so like I mentioned before, if you're immortal, you don't need to reproduce. So 100% of the population can be put toward recovery instead of 50% to childcare. Yep. And because they're coming from an immortal society, they probably won't get sick easily. Yeah, that's, I said that earlier, that if they're going to make them immune to aging, also make them immune to disease. So the only thing that will really kill them is some form of accident or misadventure. Right. Yeah, and, and and before those biological tools decide to revolt, they're probably going to provide a very high level of tech support that otherwise wouldn't be there. And if they could reproduce, they'll be able to continue, you know, century after century. Yeah. So that's uh, and uh, and and we did have an example case of the fall recovery of the Roman Empire, which was in two in two hundred and sixty A.D. Uh, the Roman Empire of Valerian lost a war to Persia, and the political instability in Rome that followed caused inflation to rise to 700%, and basically the society collapsed. Food, I mean, money wasn't worth anything anymore. Nobody was trading. Everything just collapsed as a result, and archaeologists haven't been able to unearth many objects in the countryside because the people were too poor to afford anything other than what they needed to survive. And so all the knickknacks and things like that you'd normally find, you know, in Roman civilization before that aren't even there. They, it was an extraordinary economic collapse, just like we're talking about, okay? But then at the end of the third century, so that is almost 100 years later, uh, is that right? Uh, the 20th century was 19, so that's... So that's actually not that far along after that. Basically, uh, the, uh, the end, end of that same century, I guess, the, uh, the, the new emperor <laughs> split the territory into two parts and then subdivided further in the managerial districts, increasing government personnel eight times, basically creating big government, but then they were finally able to administer at a local level, and they had... A, a hierarchy that would support communication between them. I mean, this guy was essentially, you know, the the idea that people that you need people boots on the ground locally in order for government to work was his idea. Before then, you know, you had regional directors doing things, and people would come and answer to them. But you did the government actually didn't take a a direct hold on the on the country itself on on the on the things that happened so it got better and so uh, and as the states grew you know grew as a result of this because things were being better managed tax collection grew yep which became an industry in itself <coughs> and 
the people that were tax collectors got skimmed off the top. Well, yeah. And people were encouraged to pay their tax because the people that were doing the hiring were the tax collectors and the government above that. So there was a vested interest in paying your taxes. So and as and and, and as the trigger down theory that that didn't work in, in America did work then. You know, everybody got richer as a result of all this. Um, and then finally, people started believing uh, in money again, you know, and the po- even the poor started buying stuff and things got even even better. And then finally, somebody uh, the next the, the uh, uh, let's see, uh, this guy, his name is Dio Diocletian. Yeah. His successor, Constantine, created the first gold standard. Oh, Previously, okay. you know, no one knew what no one knew what the value of silver versus gold was. <laughs> there was no comparative amount. He set a gold standard, literally, and said this is what all the other coins are worth and established a fair and administrable money supply. And all of a sudden, people were able to tr- trade like they never would have been able to trade before. They could produce agricultural surpluses knowing that they would be what they were worth and where and what they could get for it, you know, and where they could get it, get it bought and paid for. So at the end result, the four, the people who lived in the fourth century were very, very rich. And in comparison, certainly in comparison to, uh, to what they had been the, the century before and before that. So if we take that to be true, then what we can say is, is that we can expect within 200 years of that 1,000 years that they'll, that they, that unless the their mel- the Meller are there actively working against these people. They should begin recovery. They should start actually being able to survive with confidence and be able to trade with another, each other confidently. I mean, they're still going to be. I mean, they're going to have to practically build from the ground up. So in a thousand years, you know, after two hundred right. years, they you know level out and they get their act together. The remaining 800 years, they might be up to maybe Steam Tech or whatever, or maybe yeah. a medieval level, but they'll or get even, back. Or even higher than what we have, I mean, currently, if well, it's possible. Yeah, well, it just depends on what happens to them and what they find, and if they find, like, a cache of Commonwealth technology and reverse engineer it, then yeah, right. they might get back up to a decent level of. But they have one thing going for them that the the, the rest that we uh, uh, human beings on Earth did not have, and that is they know it's possible. Yeah, they know that planes work. They know they may not remember the principles under which planes work, but they know they work. Yeah, they know there's such a thing as anti gravity. They know there's such a thing as 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 um, nuclear power. They know there's a thing called electricity <laughs> that that people in the the fourth century didn't know about. Yeah, so that's going to accelerate their development uh, as long as they don't do what the uh, Nazis did, which was they kept trying to come up with an. They had so many new ideas. They, they kept following all of them, and they never developed any of them properly. They ended up with a whole lot of weapons that really weren't effective because they hadn't been integrated into their daily lives. So you know, it's uh, you know, it, it it can work against you. But I think that they would be able to by the time we uh, we meet them. Uh, the Earth Primers and the, the the new Commonwealth run into the old Commonwealth. I think by the time that happens, then I agree with you. I think those people are probably going to be a reasonably near. Yeah. Our uh, our technology, and if they're not, 
it's you know there I'm sure there's a reason they had I mean, some setback along the way there yeah. was some setback along the way but they uh, we you know the, you, we should be able now you know it's, it's it is possible that we'll run into some of them that will be highly advanced over us okay but probably not in all areas okay it's uh, you know they they may have just gotten you know a uh, a lot of people that had these kinds of smarts and were able to pass on this kind of knowledge so you know you might have people who you know every everything's made out of uh they, they were able to like bioengineer not bioengineer uh, they're able to like make fiber you know uh buckyball stuff and super strong materials and things like that so all their buildings are great and they have boats that are like to dream for but they might not have any planes because they no one ever figured out how to do you know airfoils or maybe they never no, figured out. Um, oh God, what's uh, Bernoulli's law? Yeah, right. I mean, there could be holes that they just never figured out because somebody. Everything we know is because somebody invented it. Yeah. Okay. And there's and and you not, may know that something's possible, but there might be something that you have to develop before you can do that. As as Highline said. You know, you railroad when it's railroading time. Yeah. Not not just because you have the that you had the theoretical knowledge to do it. They had the theoretical knowledge in Roman times to make steam engines and have steam locomotives, but they never did. Yeah, they figured out. Yeah, they actually they actually figured out that if the Romans had gone on with steam technology, they would have the Roman Empire would have been in space by the year one thousand. Sure. But they didn't. Yeah. So we don't. So you know, when we talk about would they have recovered? The answer is they may. They they will be nowhere near the godlike tech oh, no. that they had no, no, before. No. But they probably would be near. You know, they, they they would. I think they would all be at least into the industrialized age. So by D twenty standards, PL four. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Steam tech. Industrial Revolution level technology, yeah. Right. So, so I think that Earth Primers and the New Commonwealth, when they meet them, can actually join. You know, they can join in as as fellows, not as as inferiors. Yeah. You know, of course. Now, you're going to run into these worlds where they're like, "Oh, we're descended from the Great Tamel, you know, the Great Commonwealth. You people need to like bow down before us." You know? Yeah, and you know how that's going to. It's gonna like, go. yeah, you with your bows and arrows, and oh look, I have this automatic weapon. Now, how how many shots am I going to get off before you knock that arrow, Mister High and Mighty? Yeah. Right. Yeah. But even if they have their own automatic weapons, the point is, is that you know, the, the you know, the Commonwealth is is necess- is going to bow to anybody just because they were part of some ancient culture. Okay, that would be like some guy saying, "I'm Egyptian, therefore." You know, we ruled the world for ten thousand years. Everybody should be listening to us. No, that's how that, cats. That's how cats are. <laughs> they were worshipped in ancient Egypt, and no one gave them the memo that uh, that don't happen no more. Yeah. They never forgot that. Right. right exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So, anyways, um, so I, I think the biggest issue you're going to have, which is the same issue you have in in any world you go to in Fringeworthy, is is that it's, it's going to be the cultural issues that basically keep them. And I think they'll have a lot to trade because I, I, I'm pretty sure that they'll have at least one thing that's, that Earth Prime doesn't have that Earth Prime would love to get their hands on. Oh, and, yeah. and, and Earth Prime's going to have all kinds of stuff that, that they've never heard of before. Maybe they never figured out how to do uh, phonograph records uh, or 
or uh, maybe they don't know how to do um, uh, literally film. You know, of course. Yeah. You know, uh, we've, we've always said that one of the primary things that Earth should be selling to these other worlds is entertainment. All the music we've created, all the movies we've created, you know, plays, books, novels, you know, that's, you know, that's the, you know, and they have that also to, to offer us. So, you know, that's well, what that's you Well, that's a good take. way for cultural exchange. Remember and, in Star Wars, Grand Admiral Thrawn. How did he conquer people for the Empire? He got to learn their art. He realized if you saw, you know, the, the, the heavyset Earth Mother figure, okay, they were peaceful, they were under fertility. But if you looked at their art and it was very jagged and erratic looking and it would look like something was a warrior, he knew it was a warrior culture and knew accordingly. So yeah, some of the best ways to deal with these other cultures they come on the fringe hats would be okay this is something from our culture you give us something from your culture we'll watch and read this and look at it and we may gain a better insight into each other and that'll help us bond this you know further this alliance that we're about to do and it would be a good way it's like okay no here is this here is a thing we call a dvd player here's dvds on our culture these are stories that we've made and people act them out it's like a moving picture of a play let's like on your stage over there same concept mm-hmm. and these are stories that we've written over the past you know century or whatever so yeah that would be a real good insight for these other worlds to learn about earth prime and then of course they would give us like written records or whatever of oh these are stories that we have you know of our people and you know they hand you this big stack of leather tomes you know well they should trade for them because well yeah that's right property I mean. is the most transportable property you're still taking it over the fringe paths you know you're not taking you know uh you know 15 metric tons of of iridium okay yeah, yeah yeah i mean it's it's uh which is a very valuable metal that we use in satellites uh but you know the point is is that taking it across the french path if it's physical is always going to be a problem but one book can be taken and scanned and produced a thousand a million fold and produce a million's worth of, of value yeah for, for trade back to their world uh, and uh, so, yeah, the trading in culture to me is is the way that that advanced cultures, especially over the fringe paths, is going to be done. We we trade them, you know, local support for the exploration in exchange for us giving them things like medicines and how to make medicines and yeah. how to design plumbing systems that that keep them from coming down with cholera every time the the weather gets warm. Yeah. And, again. Again. I, Unita has no prime directive. They want to uplift the people that they come in t- come in contact with. Right, and you know it, it's it, and that's that's going to end up good and bad, you know. So yeah, but anyway, so that's that's my take on it, and I think it seems like you're pretty much in agreement. Oh that, yeah, no, know, it, that no. that they will they would have recovered, but the you know but they're not going to be at a godlike level. So when we go through the portal, they're just going to about say, oh, we're glad you came to see us, servants. You know, you know, we says, well, uh, welcome to the Tamelern, you know, hegemony and 
and uh, just sign right here, and we'll uh, tell us where your home world is, and we'll go over there and let them new let them know who their new masters are. That's that, I don't no. think that's going to happen. No, I mean at least not often. <laughs> well, that's the thing. See, if the the Mellor, they would have done their job. They would have you know smacked down everybody in the Commonwealth. They would have made sure that if you were a Commonwealth world, you were going to suffer. Right. And again, and again, and again. Yeah, if, because I, I mean, and sometimes they would have totally decimated the planet, like you said, basically eaten it down to the to the bedrock, and just everybody dies. Okay? Yeah. But I think in some cases, a lot of cases, they wanted these people to suffer, so they would knock them down. A lot know, of cat to, and mouse games. Yeah. And then let them, and then let them recover. And then smack them down again. So if I come to a world where uh, they're in like you know close to industrial age, unless they want to nuke them to nuke each other, because that takes a long time to get that level of technology. uh, They're um, you know if they're a low level of technology after all this time, I would be very suspicious that there's a Meller out there that's orchestrating these people to fall again and again and again. Of course, I'd ask them, tell us your history, tell us. You know what? What your your people have been doing for the last thousand years? And if you hear about a cost rise and fall and rise and fall and rise and fall, that would tell me that there are active Meller on this planet. Yeah, more than anything else, more than finding people, uh, because a lot, most of them are going to have stories about people that are you know believe that bled white, shape shifting demons and whatnot. Yeah, right. Yeah. Because the ones that we're talking about, the worlds that we're talking about, are the worlds that didn't get destroyed by the super weapons from the yeah. big world. These are the ones that were either attacked by the Meller directly or they just fell apart because the big system went down. Yeah. Some of these worlds never had Meller on them because you know they just the, the Meller were sent out to the emerging worlds. So it's it's uh they may not have those stories about the Meller. Right. But the Meller have had a thousand years to figure out how to you know, how to beat the anti-Meller system yep. and start moving from world to world. And they're going to come to these worlds where they may not know who the Meller are anymore, especially anymore, and start working their way to destroy their civilization. Yeah. So thanks, everybody, for listening to us. Uh, we hope this was an interesting foray into a possible past and for this game called Fringeworthy. We hope that we you found it interesting because you know we really like doing it for you. We like do, doing this this thought experiment. Oh yeah. And uh, and and basically trying to give you a reason why things are the way they are on the fringe pass. So if you if you run, when you run a Fringeworthy campaign, you can design the worlds that people go to intelligently instead of just saying, well, let's see, what novel have we not done this week? That's what's happening on this world. Basically, being able to create an organic you know set of worlds that makes sense on how they would have you know interacted historically and also you know where they would be now after a thousand years of recovery. Uh, we hope this this was, and if you have ideas that we don't think that we covered, or, or you just think we're full of it, then get on to our fa- uh, Facebook groups, uh, friends of the uh, Gaming on the Frontier podcast, or in this case, this is Fringeworthy, Fringeworthy fans, uh, and uh, or uh, leave us a message on our Podbean site, or on or, iTunes, or on iTunes, and let us know what you think. And tell your friends about us because 
you know, this week we're doing Fringeworthy, but next week we're going to do something entirely different. Oh, yeah. And we'll have more for you then, but you're going to have to wait until next week. So until then, this is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there. So go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org, colon 8027.